From my side, again, a warm welcome to you. Whether you're watching online this morning, whether you're in the building, we are just so glad that you are here. It's our third Sunday that we've been meeting after all the COVID regulations. We lost our previous venue. We're in a new venue that I believe God has given us. We're so excited about it. And we're, no, this is Sunday four, right? Yeah, Sunday four. And we're so glad that you are sharing it with us today. We started a series, Rebuild, when we started in this building, because COVID has lost so, left so much destruction across the world. And I'm not only talking about people dying, I'm talking about some of the stuff that we might feel more intensely, like the economical aspect of it, like the crime that we've been seeing all over the place, your finances that might be struggling, um, your child that you might be worried about going back to school. There's so much that's been destroyed that's been hurt by COVID. And that's why, why we started this series, because we want to see from a biblical perspective, how can I rebuild my life, the brokenness in my life? How can we help to rebuild our churches? How can we help to rebuild our city? How can we help to rebuild South Africa? Because I do believe that is God's heart, not only for your life, but for our country as well. And we started this, and today um, at part four, I'm so excited about this topic. During the week, I read an article, and I can't even tell you who, who wrote it, because at the moment, I didn't even think that I'm going to use it in a sermon, but it was an article about stress. But the person who wrote this article used to be like a business guy and um, suffered burnout, stuff, suffered from stress, all kinds of things, and then he switched, and he started coaching Olympic athletes. Because that moment this week, it's the CrossFit Games, and we've been watching the CrossFit Games this weekend as it's been progressing, and before the guys start whatever challenge they have in front of them, you just see like this stare, like this intense stare, and some of them will be like bouncing on one spot, some of them will just be like frozen in a spot, but that's that moment, like you get it in athletics before the gun goes off and you have to run, before the light flashes green and the car has to hit the gas pedal, it's that moment when you feel your heart, you can hear your heart beating in your ears. It's that moment when you stress and all the right hormones flood your body, adrenaline, cortisol, that helps you to do things that you thought were impossible. You see, what this article was about is the irony that this guy said is we know that stress is a pandemic in the 21st century, that people are struggling with it, but he said the irony is that stress is not actually a bad thing. You see, God created us that way so that when we face a situation where our life is threatened or when we have to perform, that the right hormones flood our body so that we can go full out and defeat the foe or win the race or whatever it might be. But this is the problem. In the 21st century, we are stressed about so many things. And when a pandemic like this happened, they've written about this articles. I was at a conference where they said just the fact that COVID, this was during lockdown, is in the world that you're feeling the uncertainty, that you feel like some of your freedom has been taken away, that takes 35% of your, of your capacity away. And they use the word capacity because that could be your energy, that could be your emotional capacity, whatever it might be. But suddenly, you are starting lower than you thought you were at. And we're looking at the world and we feel stressed about it. Why? Because when I look at tomorrow, I have no idea what's waiting. Will I be able to pay my bond on my house? Will I still have a job? A lot of people in our churches lost their jobs when lockdown started. 
Will I still have a job? Will I be able to put food on the table? Is all these murders going to continue? All these riots we are seeing all over the country? Crime that's just picked up. Will all this stuff just continue? I don't know if there's a future because when I look ahead, I see nothing. So what does that do? When you're standing at a, at a starting line of a race and you look ahead, you don't know what's going to happen. You see nothing because you don't know if you're going to be first or the guy next to you. So stress releases all those hormones that help you to progress. But now we're living in a state of constant stress and it creates anxiety and it creates fear. And did you know that the future was always uncertain? The Bible says the only one who knows the future is God. But in, in, in the 21st century, especially if you're in a middle class kind of household, we believed wrongly that we can control our futures by having the right kind of job, having the right kind of income, having the right insurance in place or investing in the right blue chip companies. We thought we could control the future. And the one thing that I think was a blessing from COVID is that suddenly the world, even first world countries, realized that we are not in control of our lives. We do not actually know what the future holds. Because in the moment, a small little virus that we can't even see with our eyes can change everything. So here's my question this morning. If the uncertainty of the future leaves us filled with stress and anxiety, All those hormones that are supposed to be good, cortisol, it's super bad for your brain if it stays in your body long term. Is that our only option to kind of like poison ourselves with stress, to live in constant fear and anxiety when we look at the future because we don't know what's coming? Is that our only option? And my answer is I don't believe so. And that is why today our fourth topic in this series is building with certainty. Because I believe there is a way to approach an uncertain future with certainty. I believe the Bible teaches us how to approach an uncertain future with peace and with confidence. And today we're going to be talking about that. If you've been part of this journey, this whole series, we are reading from the book of Nehemiah. Now let me give you a bit of background before we read our piece for today. So Nehemiah is a man that was basically a slave in the Persian king's household. He used to drink the wine. So in case someone poisoned the wine, he would die, not the king. So he had to taste the wine before the king tasted it. God placed the burden on his heart to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Walls that have been broken for 140 years. For the last 70 years, the Jewish people moved back to Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple, but the walls seemed so broken. The future seemed so dark that they couldn't get themselves to rebuild those walls. God gave Nehemiah a burden. Nehemiah went there. He made a plan. He surrounded him with the right people. They were passionate. They started building. And in a record time, walls that couldn't be fixed for 140 years is rebuilt in two months. Two months. And after this, the future is certain. No, it's not. The enemies that the whole time told them, your wall is going to fall over if a jackal jumps onto it. Are you trying to rebel against the king? All of their enemies are still there. Their city is still in constant danger of attack. The future, even though they had a wall, they had a blue chip investment, is still uncertain. So what do they do? They throw a party. That's not what we normally do in the future is uncertain, right? They throw a party. They get the prophet Ezra to read to them from God's word. And then finally they celebrate it. The Levites get together. The whole, the whole nation get together. They fast 
for, for a day. They pray, they worship God. And now I want to read to you from Nehemiah 9, verse 6 to 11. And as I'm reading this, I want you to try and figure out what on earth does this have to do with building with certainty, okay? But let's see if you can figure it out by the, by the end of verse 11. This is what, what the Levites are now sharing. It's like a prayer that they're praying to God. They say, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, the Parasites. No, that's not real. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. Because I just want to say that Egypt, Egypt is like a couple of hundred years back, by the way. Okay? You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the seas before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Guys, the future of these people living in Jerusalem is still uncertain. A lot of people have returned, but they're not the nation they used to be. They are still under the rule of a foreign king, a foreign emperor. And they do this interesting thing. They throw a party, and then they do something very interesting. They remind themselves who God is and how God has provided in the past. So they literally go through this list. They are like in verse 6. God is the creator. They go back to Genesis. He created everything. This God that helped us to complete the world, he's the creator. He's the one who gave me life. Verse 7 to 8. He's the God that pursued us. He chose Abraham. He chooses you. He chooses me. He's the God who kept his promises and who blessed Abraham. Verse 9 to 11. He sees the suffering. He sees the arrogance against God's people and he hears their cries. Verse 11, he miraculously rescued us. If you continue reading, because the challenge is still standing, if you haven't taken the challenge up yet, go home this week and every day read a chapter from Nehemiah. And if you finish it, you restart. Because the more we read it, the more we get out of it. But from onwards, you, they re, you read about the manna that God sent them when they were in the desert. You read about the fire column that led them at night so they knew where to go. The, the cloud column during the day that led them. And I'm like, what on earth does all of this have to do with Nehemiah? This is hundreds of years back. He's building a wall. What does this have to do with a wall? Better question. What on earth does all of this have to do with our topic of building with certainty? You see, they faced new and uncertain times. And they did something interesting. They went into the future backwards. Okay, I'm not talking about time travel. This is not back to the future. They went into the future, there's my future, in reverse. So what were they doing? The future is dark. I do not know what's waiting on that side. But I do know one thing, and that is I know what happened in the past. So they went into an uncertain future, remembering who God is, 
remembering how God has provided in the past, remembering how God shows them, remembering how God provided for them when they thought there was no way out. So this is what they are doing, okay? We are facing an uncertain future as well. I don't know what things are bothering you. Maybe it's crime, maybe it's the economy, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's a relationship with the son or a daughter. I don't know what's your problem. I don't know what you need to rebuild. But I know when we look at things we need to rebuild, when we look at the future, we get scared because it's uncertain. And this is what they are doing. Verse 6, God is the creator. Listen, when you feel like you've got no future left, God is the one who breathed life into your nostrils. God is the one who gave you life. God is the one who will sustain your life. You are still here for a purpose, although you might not feel like that, although you might have lost your job. Because he is the one who created you for purpose. Verse 7 to 8. You're like, but I don't even know this God. You don't need to know him yet because guess what? He pursued you long before you knew him. The Bible says when you are still an enemy of God, Jesus already died on a cross in your place so that you don't have to carry the penalty of sin. He's the one who pursued you. He's the one who left the 99 sheep to come after you, the one that decided to go your own direction. He's the one who will bless you. You're like, Louis, but I've been in suffering and I don't know, I've been praying, but my prayers doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Verse 9 to 11, God is the one who sees your suffering. God is the one who sees your pain. God is the one who sees the corrupt people, who sees the people plotting against you. He is the one who hears your cries. You thought you were crying at night on your pillow and no one knew, God knows. You thought you were crying out and your prayers were hitting the ceiling. The Bible says God is taking every one of your prayers. The angels put them in a bowl, we read in Revelations, mixes them with incense. It's like a sweet smell to God. That's how much he treasures your cries and your prayers. Verse 11, you think that there's no way out. But God is the one who rescues, not the way you and I would think, but he's the one who does miracles and who provides in ways that we cannot even imagine, like manna, a random food that we don't even know what it is that just magically appeared there every morning. So let me ask you this, if we apply this to our lives. We're like, God, what about my marriage? God is like, there's still a plan. I've got a miracle waiting for you. Why are you giving up? Why are you still afraid? If you're thinking about the future of South Africa and you're sharing stuff on Facebook and it just gets you down and you're like, God, there's no more future left for me or my children here. I want to ask you, what about God that blessed A be a blessing to the nations? Don't you think that God can bless you to be a blessing to this nation? Why are we so afraid and stressed out about a future that's dark? And I know what you're going to be thinking, like, Lou, it's easy for you to say, you're a pastor, man, you've got perfect faith in God, and you've got nothing to worry about. Let me tell you, we've got a lot of things to worry about as well. And I'm a future-orientated thinker, so every single day I need to remind myself that I'm not in control of the future that I like to plan out so perfectly. And I do not need to be afraid of the future, although my plans don't seem to be always working out, because I know the one who's got a plan for my life, who laid out my life, who's who wrote my name on the palm of his hand even before I was born. Why on earth are we afraid? I want to tell you today that if we can remind ourselves of God's provision in the past, we can head into the future without fear. 
even if you're sitting here today or if you're listening to this and you're like, Louis, I don't even know if God provided in the past because I'm not even sure if Jesus exists. I want to tell you, if you give me 10 minutes of your time and you tell me your life story, I will point out numerous things where God has provided for you in your past. If you're like, Louis, but I was not a Christian. Why would he provide? We call it common grace. You see, God makes it rain over people who believe and over people who do not believe because he loves all these children and he's just waiting for you to finally grasp it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have seen his hand in your life. I want to ask you, why are you afraid of this future when you can look back at the moment that his hand was on your life that he provided? Why are you afraid? If we look at the past, if we go into the future in reverse with an eye on God's provision and another eye on where we're going, we shouldn't be afraid. The problem is we are like magnets for negative things. I've said this so many times, right? You might have just gotten a promotion at work. You just heard that your child got an awesome report from school. Or you just met someone that you think like, this could be the love of my life. Everything is going well. You drive, I, uh, a while ago I was like, yes, our church found a new venue. Everything is going good. I'm driving to our storage to pick up our equipment. Boom, BMW into the back of our bucky. I'm like, day sucks. No, it doesn't. We just got a new venue. You just heard your child got a great report. You just found the love of your life. Why is one thing so big that it just overshadows all the good in our lives? We are like magnets for negative things. Because we forget the good things so easily. And you know what we forget even faster? We forget God's provision in the past even faster. So we need to find a way to record God's provision in our lives so that when we go through a difficulty, when that car hits the back of mine, that my life is not falling apart, that everything is not crashing to the ground, but that I can still head into this future without fear, with a smile on my face, with thankfulness in my heart, because I know the God who provided in the past is the God who will provide in the future. See, the Jews have this interesting way of retelling stories continuously. You just heard the story from creation all the way till the moment the, the Israelites became slaves in Egypt, all the way till the point where God let them out of Egypt. Every single year during Passover, that's our Easter today, same time of the year, a Jewish father, the head of the house, would sit the whole family down around a table, and he would share the story with them again, making sure that if they even for a moment face uncertainty that their minds would immediately go back to the story of God leading them out of Egypt and providing for them in a miraculous way. For likely that's once a year. Uh, every single day they were gathered at the temple, they prayed, they worshipped, they read out of the word, but every year they had this big moment where they're like, I'm going to hammer this in to my children, not because I'm a crazy person, because I want them to when they face an uncertain future to remember who God is. See, we need to do away, but we've stopped doing that. We don't gather around a dinner table at night and share the things that we are thankful, thankful for, share about God's provision. We don't gather around a table and open the Bible and read Bible together as a family and pray together. We exchange all of that for TVs. We don't even go to church every Sunday. These days it's like once a month. If you feel like it, you might go. 
We don't read our Bibles. We hope that once in a while, if I go to church, I will get a message from the pastor and that will carry me through. Listen, one message, 30 minutes long, once a month is not going to carry you through your whole month. That's a lot of hours long. You see, we need to continuously retell God's stories in our life. And we get it when we gather together as a church. We get it when we gather together as community groups. And when we read God's word, when we share the things that we are thankful for. We need to continuously remind ourselves. You might have to start a journal. I am not a diary kind of guy. And I started a a journal years ago when we were still at our previous church. And now every time that I'm like, oh, church planting is so hard, I go to my journal, I open it up, and I'm like, we were at a church and we're growing. I'm like, whoa, I had issues there as well. Who knew it? I can't even remember it. And then I turn another page, and I'm like, whoa, God came through for me. So why won't God come through now? But there's no way I would even remember that if it wasn't on paper or if it's not on a photograph, or if it's not on a video. We need to find a way to continuously remind ourselves to retell these stories. If we don't, you will think about the future. You will be afraid. You will be stressed out. You will fall apart. And this is the problem. It's not only you, but our witness becomes so ineffective. Our witness of who God is. Because when we are that afraid of the future, we start living like people who are serving a dead God. We start living like people who serve a God that cannot do a miracle, that cannot turn a situation around. People look at us and they're like, why should I be a Christian? There's nothing different to your life than mine. They're like, Luke, you can't say that. It's like, I'm not saying that Jesus said that. If you turn to Matthew 6 from verse 31, Jesus is like, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to stay. Like, that's all the stuff I worried about in COVID. Jesus is like, you shouldn't. And then he says this, these are the things pagans are worried about. Do you know what a pagan is? A heathen is someone who doesn't believe in God. So turn that scripture around. Jesus is saying, if you are worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to stay, you don't believe not me saying that. Jesus said it in himself. You see, Jesus always upped the rules of man that we thought it's just on the surface. Jesus is like, no, it's a deep heart thing. We need to move past this thing where we are just Christians with words, but where we have enough faith in God to say, I'm going into this future full steam in reverse because I know that God can provide. Guys, and again, I'm always worried about, we started this church six months in the northern suburb, six months before lockdown, we were at a good trajectory. I was like, God, I can see the future. It's bright. And then lockdown hit. And our finances shrunk by two-thirds. And we are about a fifth. Our income only covers a fifth of our expenses. You know how that feels when you're looking at the future? I'm like, I've got a wife and a child. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a salary in a couple of months. And then God is like, Louis, didn't I tell you? 2,000 years ago. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about Prodeo because I've got it. The way I provided for the Israelites, the way I provided for Nehemiah, the way I provided for your grandfather, the same way I will provide for you. So I'm not saying this as someone who just got it all together. I'm saying this as someone who's struggling with this every single day and every single morning. I have to wake up and I have to read God's word and I have to remind myself about this and I have to write it in my journal because I'm a magnet for negative things and I will forget the God who provided in the past if I don't focus. Here's the thing. 
How do we continue ending up in fear if we know that God provided in the past? Let me show you what happened with Nehemiah and those guys. So we just read to to um, verse 11, they're telling the story. Whoa, God let them out of Egypt. Everything is good. They can never doubt again, right? They should never go into the future again worried because look at all God did. Guess what? They did, okay? Nehemiah 9, verse 16 to 17. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed. Failed to one person got this. Fail to remember. They became stiff-necked in, and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. They did exactly what we all do. We're like, oh God, thank you for getting me out of this crisis. Next one comes. I'm going to take this on my shoulders. I've got this. I'm a big, strong man. I can take care of this. I take it on my shoulders. I get stiff-necked. I get arrogant because I think I can do it. I start to forget that it's God who got me through the last crisis. It was not because I'm so great and so smart and so fancy, and I forget. And we start losing track of God. God, it's such amazing miracles for the Israelites. How did they get to a point again where the future was dark, where they were filled with fear? And when they appointed their own leaders, they thought like, we need to find someone else to fix this problem. It was like, I, I will fix it. They're like, no, 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 we need to find someone else to fix this. They lost focus. That's how they got there. They lost focus. You see, both fear and faith Powered by focus. Fear and faith. The fuel is focus. When we focus on the darkness of our uncertain future, you are feeding with that focus your fear. But when we are focusing on God, then we are powering, we're empowering our faith. Losing focus of who God is will lead you to a place where you size up your situation based on your own weakness instead of God's strength. You will look at this future, you will look at South Africa, you will look at your finances, you will look at your marriage, you're like, I'm not capable of fixing this, so I'm going to quit. You sized up your situation based on your own strength instead of on God's power. God's ability, God's provision. And do you know what happens? We end up enslaving ourselves. That's what they did. We enslave ourselves to constant stress, to anxiety, to fear, to worrying. And God is like, why? I've got you. You're so special to me. I know how much hair there is on your head. I know for some of you it's not a lot. But for most of us it is. God knows every strand of hair on your head. And he's like, I've got you. If you're in a bad spot today, maybe someone in your family is facing an illness and you don't know how to get past this, you're facing an illness. You have to go for operation. Maybe you're in a place where you're, you're just like my marriage. There's no way that it will ever be okay again. Maybe you're feeling like my job, my business will never recover again. I want to tell you, if you're in a bad spot, you have probably already tried to fix it yourself and you've probably already failed because if you didn't fail, you wouldn't have been worrying about it. You need to shift your focus. The Israelites came out of Egypt. 
They lost their focus. We read in verse 26 that again, they enslaved themselves. They became, someone else became their master. But I want to read to you some of the most special words in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 9 verse 27 to 28. But, but, when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of the enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again, that was evil in your sight. They were at a point of where everything was dark around them, where there was no hope for the Israelites. And they finally realigned their focus. They tried to fix it in their own power. They couldn't do it. So they went back. They realigned their focus on God. And you know how I know they realigned? Because we read that they cried out to God. They didn't just pray like, hey, God, sort this out. They cried out. This was probably a prayer on their knees with tears just pouring out of their eyes. And they cried out to God. And the Bible says, this amazing God that created the universe, that can fit all of it, the universe, that we have no idea how far it even goes, that can fit all of that in, in one hand, can measure the heavens with his hand. That God hears every cry of yours. What are you crying to? God sent them deliverers, and I think He sent them outside deliverers so that they could never mistake their own ability for God's ability, their own inability for God's ability. You see, it didn't make them rescue themselves. He sent someone else. It's like, because I don't want you to forget that it's me who did it. I don't want you to think that you did it yourself. I want to tell you today, God will send us deliverers. He hears you, and He doesn't just have compassion. He's got great compassion for your situation, although it might not feel like it. But you have to remind yourself of this constantly. Because the moment they rested, they forgot. Like, Louis, I've been praying about this for months I've been praying for my child that doesn't follow Jesus for years. Louis, I've been trying to break with sin, the same stupid thing that I keep doing over and over and over for so long, and I have been crying out to God and nothing is happening. I want to tell you God's timing is not always the same as ours. The deliverance will come at the right time. In the meantime, God is telling you, you need to keep focus. You need to remember who I am. You need to continue crying out to me. Because if you lose focus, you're never going to see what you want to see. Don't lose focus. You have to activate your faith every day. Paul said to Timothy, blow the little flame, flame into fire. Make sure that you make things of God a priority be part of a church service. Be part of a community group. Read your Bible and pray every day. We've got six movements at our church, up in and out. That's how we want to connect you to life-changing relationships with God, with each other, and with the world. And for each one, we've got two movements. We will share that with you soon at a step into um, church meeting that we'll host um, next month. And, and I want to tell you, sign up for that, because you will learn six easy steps that you can help you yourself to continue 
Focusing on God every day. But do those things. Serve, give, share your faith. If you don't, that moment of waiting will seem too long. You will lose focus. God's power was never missing. God was never asleep. But they lost focus. And that meant that they closed themselves off to God doing a miracle in their lives. You might feel like God isn't hearing your prayers. You might feel like the future is uncertain. God's power is not missing. He's not turning a deaf ear to you. He's not turning a blind eye. God's power is still available. And He wants you to continue focusing on Him. And at the right time, His power will shine through. So let me ask you this. Let's close with this. How would you head into an uncertain future? If your focus remained on the God who provided for you in the past, what would your future look like? What would your stress levels look like? Your anxiety, your fear. I don't want to make fear and anxiety and stress the rest of my life. That's not a way to live. And therefore I know the only way to live is to keep my eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, the future just sometimes seems so bleak to us. We look at the brokenness in our lives, we look at the brokenness in our world, and we have no idea how we're ever going to get through this. But we serve a God. We serve you, God, and we know that you not only know what the future holds, but that you are already in the future. We know that you have created us with life and with purpose, and that you are not finished with us yet. We know that a miracle is still waiting to happen. We know that you hear our cries, that you've got compassion with us. And God, I want to keep my eyes on you today. I want to keep my eyes above the water and I want to focus on who you are and on your provision. I want to let go of everything I'm trying to fix myself. I want to let go of my stiff-neckedness. I want to let go of my arrogance. And I want to hold on to only you. Because living a life of fear and of constant anxiety and stress is not the way we want to live. I pray today, God, for every single person hearing these words. I pray that in this moment that a sense of peace will just completely overwhelm us. That for a moment, everything I'm afraid of Everything that fills me with stress and fear and anxiety would just disappear in the presence of your greatness. Do what only you can. God, I pray today for the sick to be healed. I pray for prayers to be answered. I pray, God, for for 
our work positions to turn around. I pray for finances to turn around. God, I pray for the miracles that everyone that's listening to this need in their lives. And I pray that you would come through in a way we couldn't even imagine. And may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.